Hello and welcome to Southern Middle Tennessee Today on WKOM and WKRM Radio. Your hometown news broadcasting from the Debbie Matthews Nashville Realty Newsroom in Columbia, Tennessee. I'm your host, Tom Price. Today is Thursday, January 11th, and we start with local news. The wrongful termination suit filed by Roy Brooks against the city of Columbia has been dismissed after both parties jointly filed for dismissal of the case. Brooks was suing the city in federal court, claiming he was unjustly terminated following multiple multiple reports to his superiors about several alleged safety issues within the department. Brooks's claims include staffing issues and false information being given to the Insurance Services Office, or ISO, as well as employees conducting work without the proper credentials. Following those alleged reports, Brooks was reprimanded for allegedly failing to check personal equipment. One month later, Brooks claims he spoke with his superiors about out-of-date rope equipment, but was ignored on the matter. Brooks claimed this event led to a sexual harassment complaint and an accusation of not following the city's COVID-19 policy. Following that meeting, Brooks was demoted from his position as captain and was transferred to a different fire station. As a result of the City of Columbia's retaliatory behavior towards plaintiff and adverse employment actions taken against him, Brooks began to suffer from anxiety and no longer trusted his superiors. Brooks's anxiety and distrust became so severe that he requested leave under the Family and Medical Leave Act on or about April 18th of 2022. Case documents read. City attorneys contend Brooks was terminated after numerous policy violations that include the aforementioned issues with personal equipment and sexual harassment, but also failing to complete mandatory inspections of fire hydrants and continuing to work at Columbia State Community College while on leave. Brooks's termination was upheld by a civil service board made up of citizens following an appeal. While Brooks's civil case has been dismissed, a criminal case in which he is the defendant is set for trial in May. Brooks is accused of carrying a firearm on school property, stemming from his 2023 response to Columbia Central High School during what turned out to be a hoax school shooting call. Brooks faces two years in jail if convicted of the offense. Allegations of abuse and negligence at the Murray County Animal Shelter were brought before the Murray County Health and Environment Committee at its most recent meeting on January 2nd, but county leadership maintained progress is being made in those areas. Heather Amagrande said she worked at the shelter for just 17 days, but in her time of employment, she was concerned about the treatment of animals and the cleanliness of the shelter. I worked there for 17 days, and in 17 days I saw the most disgusting, horrific conditions that I have ever seen in an animal shelter or rescue, she told the committee. I want to be a witness for the neglect, abuse, and mistreatment of animals in the shelter. I sent pictures of the kennels of how they are filled with feces and urine for up to 20 hours a day, she said. Shelter Director Caitlin Stewart was elevated to her position in December of 2022 after serving as a part-time employee and then office director previously. She has been employed at the shelter since 2015. County Mayor Sheila Butt said she is standing behind Stewart at this time because she has been in the job for a short period of time and feels like she and the staff are working to improve conditions. We are doing leadership training. We are doing customer service training. We are going to work with the volunteers, Mayor Butt said during the meeting. I think we have to give it some time to work through these issues. Then, if it doesn't work, we have something to deal with. 
As long as I can stand behind my department heads, I will do that, and I will try to support them and do that job. That's when I'll make a decision whether they're doing that job or not, she said. Commissioner Jerry Strahan said he would like to see some movement towards a resolution in the matter quickly and hoped his fellow commissioners agreed. I'm really getting kind of sick of this mess. I spoke with a volunteer when I was out there one day. This volunteer kept looking over her shoulder when I spoke to her, saying she was going to get in trouble for talking to me. Something is badly broken, if that's the situation, he said. I'm a commissioner. I have the responsibility to fix it, and I would ask this commission to help me fix it and fix it pretty quickly, whatever that might be, he said. The commission is only the funding body for the shelter, however, and has no jurisdiction over the department or the department head, Commission Chairman Eric Previtti reminded his peers. Strayan added he believes there is a personnel issue that needs to be addressed, which would fall under the commission's purview once that decision has been made. Currently, part-time employees and volunteers make up the vast majority of the shelter's personnel, along with Murray County jail inmates up until the end of the year in, in 2023. Trustee inmates are expected to return to the shelter once ankle monitors are able to be obtained by the sheriff's office. Volunteers, however, have felt mistreated at times as well. Volunteer coordinator Kim Refoff told commissioners she would prefer the relationship between the staff and volunteers be mended, if possible. The volunteers are willing to work with the shelter. We want it to be a good place. We don't come there to cause trouble, she said. We're there to make it better for the animals. Something Sometimes we're met with a lot of opposition. I've never been able to figure out why. It's always miscommunication gaps and things that can easily be solved, she said. This isn't a dictatorship. The second that people ask a question about something, they're going to be asked to leave and not be a volunteer, she said. Ama Grande said while she worked in the facility, she felt staff believed they were above accountability. These people have been there for years. They have this mentality that they're untouchable, and this is how things have always worked, she said. As far as I'm concerned, the things I've seen in the shelter are horrific. This is a disgrace to the community. We would be horrified at what is going on here at this animal shelter, she said. Additionally, she raised a concern that stray animals and those available for rescue are treated drastically different. The strays barely have any food, any water. They never see the light of day. They don't get out of their kennels, she claimed. Stewart confirmed that stray animals, prior to any surgery they may require, are not walked or let out of their kennels. Since we had a distemper outbreak back in August, we've stopped moving them around as much, and we've seen a decrease in the number of respiratory infections in the shelter, she told commissioners. Most of the time, that is no more than two weeks. But like I said, we do have some long-timers that are awaiting, awaiting rescue. One of the animals has been awaiting rescue since October 31st of 2023. Mayor Butt maintained the shelter is improving under Stewart's leadership and staff, and they're being trained and improving, and until she feels it is otherwise necessary, she will remain committed to Stuart and her staff. Work has been going on in the background for three months on this. It's not like we're just sitting here and saying it's happening and we're just going to let it happen. It does not work that way, she said. But I'm also not going to throw people under the bus when they're trying to do their job, trying to do it better, she said. There is a time where we say we've done everything we can do. Columbia City Council will hold a first vote on proposed changes to the city's Connect Columbia plan this week at its regular scheduled meeting. The council is scheduled to meet on Thursday, January 11th at 5.30 p.m. As stated in the planning documents, 
The primary function of the Connect Columbia is to provide a policy framework. The City Council, Planning Commission, and other boards and commissions with a role in growth management utilize the plan to inform their decisions. Connect Columbia was created in 2017, and work on the updates began in early 2023 with the creation of a 15-member steering committee. Committee members hosted two public forums during 2023 and utilized input from the community in creating the updated plan. That update was sent to the Municipal Planning Commission and was recommended for approval in November. The 2023 update of Connect Columbia establishes an active and continuous long-range planning program. The goals and objectives of the framework are implemented through prioritized proposed actions, the document states in part. The plan is broken down into three sections for implementation, immediate, meaning zero to two years, mid-range, two to three years, and long-range, meaning four to five years. Immediate actions include establishing a regular cycle of annual reports from the Planning Commission to the City Council on implementation, a regular annual cycle of revisions to the City's zoning ordinance, developing a five-year capital improvement plan for City projects, developing an affordable housing strategy, and updating the Parks and Greenways element of the Comprehensive Plan during the first quarter of 2024. Mid-range actions include requiring new developments to meet or exceed the minimum level of service for parks and greenways, creating a citywide public art plan through the Columbia Arts Council, and identifying locations in established residential neighborhoods which can be utilized for small-scale neighborhood commercial retail. Long-range actions include enacting policies which support retail development in nodes and commercial corridors, supporting expansion of operations for Columbia State Community College and Murray Regional Medical Center, pursuing state and federal economic development grants, and identifying opportunities to expand recreational access to the Duck River. The City Council will also hold a public hearing and second reading on changes to the City's 2023-2024 budget with relations to capital projects. The $2.892 million increase incorporates a $200,000 tourism enhancement grant and a $45,000 historic preservation grant, and also includes $882,000 for improvements to Fire Station No. 1. A proposed rezoning of 30 acres on Casey Lane will also be up for a first reading. The applicant is requesting to rezone the 30-acre tract for future development of a residential neighborhood, with the concept plan reflecting 61 lots. The Planning Commission reviewed the request at its December 2023 meeting and recommended approval by a 4-0 vote with two abstentions. A long-awaited roadway project could be making headway with the widening of State Route 6, or more commonly known as U.S. Highway 31, in Spring Hill. In December, the Tennessee Department of Transportation announced its first fiscally constrained 10-year plan for road projects, two of which were candidates in Murray County. The first was the widening and upgrades to Bear Creek Pike in Columbia, which was not included in the list. However, the proposed Highway 31 widening project in Spring Hill did receive approval. According to the December 18th TDOT report, the 10-year plan seeks to provide $15 billion in state and federal funds to surface transportation development. In addition to the 10-year plan, TDOT programs nearly $600 million in federal and state funds annually. The Highway 31 project has been on the books for many years. In 2019, the project was included as part of TDOT's three-year plan, but funding was later removed. Now, the project is set to take shape by the end of the decade, according to the report. 
This commitment by TDOT is a major win for the residents of Spring Hill and wouldn't have become reality without the dedicated work of the Board of Mayor and Aldermen and city employees, said Spring Hill Mayor Jim Hageman. The widening of Highway 31 has been a priority for our city for years, and we are delighted to finally have this project scheduled and funded, he said. The project, according to the 10-year plan, will be divided across two concurrent projects. The southern portion of the project will include preliminary engineering work scheduled to begin in 2028, with right-of-way acquisition starting in 2030. Engineering for the northern portion will likely begin in 2030, with right-of-way acquisition starting in 2032. Construction is estimated to begin in 2033. The Highway 31 project's total cost is estimated at $299.8 million. As mentioned in the 10-year project plan, TDOT will be working with local communities to further describe the needs of the projects featured. As more information about this project becomes available, the City of Spring Hill will provide updates, the report states. Butch Ely, TDOT's deputy governor and commissioner, said the state's 10-year plan will be able to serve Tennessee with greater accountability and communication. The 10-year project plan also supports jobs for Tennesseans and creates a long-term view, helping the industry develop and train the workforce needed to get the jobs done, he said. The plan provides a roadmap for $15 billion in state and federal funds over the next decade for surface transportation development. However, the outstanding need in current dollars is over $30 billion, the plan states. First Farmers and Merchants Corporation, the holding company for First Farmers and Merchants Bank, announced yesterday that Robert E. Krimmel has been named to the newly created position as Chief Administrative Officer, in addition to continuing his Chief Financial Officer as Chief Financial Officer of First Farmers and Merchants Corporation. Bobby Krimmel joined First Farmers in 2015 as Chief Financial Officer, and his strong skills in financial management had an immediate and positive impact on our operations, stated Brian K. Williams, First Farmers Chairman and CEO. Since that time, he has successfully managed our financial reporting, treasury activities, tax, financial strategy, and forecasting. In the newly created role as Chief Administrative Officer, Bobby will be responsible for most of the bank's major support functions, including accounting, Treasury, Information Technology, Project Management, Internal Controls, Information Security, Fraud, Risk Management, Facilities Management, Management Reporting Systems, Corporate Communications, and Shareholder Services. I am pleased to name Bobby Krimmel to this important position. He will be working closely with me in strategic planning and goal setting to expand the future growth opportunities for First Farmers. In his new role, he will also provide executive leadership to the internal audit and the regulatory compliance functions of the bank, and will be the bank's primary liaison with all regulatory authorities and external auditors. He will also maintain significant influence over business planning, policy development, efficiency enhancement, process improvement, resource allocation, budgeting, and issue resolution, concluded Williams. Prior to joining First Farmers, Krimmel served as Senior Vice President and Chief Accounting Officer for Heritage Bank of the South in Albany, Georgia. While at Heritage Bank, he managed the accounting, treasury, tax, accounts payable, lost share accounting, and reconciliation departments. He also directed Heritage Bank's investment portfolio, managed the interest rate risk analysis, and was responsible for Security and Exchange Commission and regulatory reporting. Before joining Heritage Bank, Krimmel was vice president and controller at Green Bank in Greenville, Tennessee. 
Krimmel is a certified public accountant and has completed the Graduate School of Bank Investments and Financial Management and the Financial Manager School. He's a member of the American Institute of Certified Public Accountants and holds Bachelor of Business Administration and Master of Accountancy degrees from East Tennessee State University. He serves on the Boys and Girls Club of South Central Tennessee Board of Directors and contributes to the Federal Reserve Bank of Atlanta Decision Maker Panel. He's the past Vice President of Habitat for Humanity, Williamson Murray, and Treasurer for Cub Scout Pack 369. Columbia Fire and Rescue announced that the station number one remodel has begun. The administrative office has temporarily moved to Fire Station 3, located at 705 Firefighters Drive, where it will remain until the Station 1 remodel project is complete. If you require a fire report, burn permit, or any other administrative assistance, please head to Station 3 until further notice. And now your hometown memorials, sponsored by Oaks and Nichols Funeral Home. Mrs. Ann McCormick Reddick, 91, a resident of Columbia, passed away Sunday at the bridge. Funeral services for Mrs. Reddick will be conducted Friday at 11 a.m. at Oaks and Nichols Funeral Home. Burial will follow at Polk Memorial Gardens. The family will visit with friends on Thursday from 5 to 8 p.m. at Oaks and Nichols Funeral Home. Mr. Price Keller, 85, retired from Aramark and a resident of Columbia, died Monday at Murray Regional Medical Center. A funeral mass will be conducted Friday at 3 p.m. at St. Catherine Catholic Church. Burial will follow in Rose Hill Cemetery. The family will visit with friends on Thursday from 4 until 7 p.m. at Oaks and Nichols Funeral Home. Mr. James Allison Cook, Jr., 88, retired banker, died Tuesday at his residence, Funeral services for Mr. Cook will be conducted Saturday at 12 noon at Oaks and Nichols Funeral Home. Burial will follow in Rose Hill Cemetery. The family will visit with friends on Saturday from 10 a.m. until 12 noon at the funeral home. Mrs. Juanita Ann Overby Taylor, 93, resident of Columbia, passed away Saturday, January 6th at NHC Columbia. Funeral services will be conducted Saturday, January 13th at 2 p.m. at Oaks and Nichols Funeral Home. The family will visit with friends from 12 p.m. until the time of the service at the funeral home. Hometown Memorials is sponsored by Oaks and Nichols Funeral Home, serving with dignity and consideration for over 150 years. As years go by, people may tend to forget just what a funeral is really all about. At Oaks and Nichols, we believe it's first and always a special remembrance of someone you love. We start by listening to your needs and desires. If you're unsure, we can help gently, professionally. At Oaks and Nichols Funeral Directors, we haven't lost sight of why we're here, to serve Murray County families in the ways they prefer, and why Matt and Susie Sowell believe the way to honor tradition is with especially personal service. We believe your traditions, your customs, your rites of passage are very important, but we also believe in taking care of your personal wishes as well. At Oaks and Nichols, we try to do more than just the expected things, so the service you receive honors your heritage and is uniquely yours, and we invite you to experience the difference. Oaks and Nichols Funeral Directors, 320 West 7th Street in Columbia. Since 1856, people you can rely on. For your southern Middle Tennessee weather, we will have plenty of sunshine today with a high of 59 degrees. Winds will be out of the south at 5 to 10 miles per hour. 
Tonight, we can expect partly cloudy skies becoming more overcast overnight. The low will be 46 degrees with winds out of the south-southeast at 15 to 25 miles per hour. Winds could occasionally gust over 40 miles per hour. Let's take a break. When we come back, we'll cover state and national news that affect you. You're listening to Southern Middle Tennessee Today. Debbie Matthews grew up and lives in beautiful Columbia, Tennessee. As a realtor, she is well-versed in homes, neighborhoods, development, and schools. She wants to share her love of her home state with others to help them find just the right place to raise a family, open a business, or develop a dream. From luxury listings to land, she can handle it all. She is the current leading producer, Nashville Realty Group. Contact Debbie Matthews Realtor at 615-476-3224. That's 615-476-3224. Family first. (laughs) My dad used to tell us that all the time. But family first wasn't just something he'd say to us. It was how he lived every day of his life. And it's how I try to live mine, too. At Shelter Insurance, our agents are dedicated to helping provide personalized auto, home, and life protection that puts your family first. For auto, home, life, or business insurance, see Shelter Agent Tommy Hyde Jr. at 388-2009. Are you thinking about a new fence? Maybe you need a pole barn. Then you should give Sands Fence Company a call. That's 931-309-1644. Will Sands has built his business based on the principles of honesty, quality, and integrity. Sands Fence Company has been in business for over 20 years, providing the community with farm, residential, and commercial fencing, as well as pole barns and buildings. Call today for a free estimate. Sands Fence Company, 931-309-1644. 931-309-1644. For 40 years, the Jewelers Bench has worked hard for their customers and provided the highest quality jewelry at the best price. They keep going back. Recent renovations have allowed them to expand their inventory. More high quality jewelry, custom vintage and estate pieces, and professional jewelry and watch repairs. They also buy gold. The Jewelers Bench, still here, still great service. 808 Trotwood Avenue, Columbia. Are you a homeowner looking to unlock the potential of your home equity? Explore a home equity loan with First Farmers. Hi, this is Felicia Brown with First Farmers, and we would like to invite you to access funds with a home equity loan. For home improvements, invest in education, or simplify your finances, you can make your dreams a reality with the power of your home equity. Get started today. Apply online at myfirstfarmers.com or call to speak with one of our team specialists at 1-800-882-8378, Equal Housing Lender. This is Trey Adcock with Dixie Equipment Sales and Rental. We sell ASV and Wacker Noisen equipment. We also rent a wide variety of compact equipment in the Middle Tennessee area. Come see us. We are located in Columbia, Tennessee at 200 East 16th Street. You can call us at 615-969-0118 or visit our website at www.dixiediesel.com. We have been in business for over 42 years and we would love to help you turn your project into reality. Hi, this is George Rawls with The Way Realty. Please allow me to share a little bit about us. We measure our success by the quality of service you receive. We provide many ways to help you get the most when selling your house, like home staging, landscaping, repairs, professional pictures, and aggressive marketing. Our listings are posted on the MLS, Realtracks.com, Zillow, Realtor.com, and Trulia. Your house will most likely be your biggest investment 
for your family and for your future retirement. Let us help you fulfill the American dream by buying, building, or selling your next home. And most importantly, let this new year be a great year by putting Jesus first in your life. Jesus Christ changes lives. I know because He changed mine. Welcome back to Southern Middle Tennessee Today on WKOM 101.7 and WKRM 103.7. This program is sponsored in part by George Vrylis and the great team at The Way Realty. I'm Tom Price. And now, news from around the state. After nearly two hours of debate, the Tennessee House of Representatives formally adopted new rules Wednesday, banning members from using papers and visual aids to explain legislation and implementing a five-minute time limit on bill presentations in committee. The controversial rules package also includes a measure allowing the House to silence members found to be out of order during a House session. Members voted 70 to 19, overcoming stringent objections from Democrats to adopt the rules, first recommended by the House Rules Committee on Monday. There's been much conversation about limiting the voices of the people and even representatives in the People's House. And actually, Mr. Speaker, I agree. Representative Jason Zachary, a Republican from Knoxville, said during debate, Voices have been silenced, Mr. Speaker. There are many in this body that monopolize the time that silences the voices of the vast majority of district across the state. Zachary brought a list of the total time spent speaking on the House floor for every member during the last regular session from January to April, compiled by the House clerk. Who has spoken the most on this House floor? Who has monopolized debate on this House floor? Zachary asked before beginning to read the list. Representative Justin Pearson, the Democrat from Memphis, one of the newest members of the House, has spoken on the House floor more than any other member, with comments totaling three hours and 43 minutes, according to the tally Zachary's of, in Zachary's release. House Minority Caucus Chairman John Ray Clemens, a Democrat from Nashville, was second, with a total of two hours and 16 minutes of speaking time. Representative Justin Jones was third, with two hours and 12 minutes. The top nine speakers on the House floor over the last year are all from the minority party, Zachary said. There is not a Republican on this list that shows up until number 10, he said. Pearson and Jones had considerable speaking time as House Republicans expelled the two in April. They were quickly reappointed and won election again last year. House Majority Leader William Lamberth came in 10th place with 40 minutes and 44 seconds of debate time in the last year. Let's take one last break. When we come back, we'll cover the final story of the day. You're listening to Southern Middle Tennessee Today. Turner and Osborne Tire Company, 1016 South Main Street in Columbia. Give them a call at 931-388-6822. They've been doing business since 1947 and in their current location since 1964. They provide the best tire and mechanical work at some of the best prices in Middle Tennessee. Hey, they're official Michelin and Goodyear dealers, and they've got all kinds of brands as well. Stop by and see Walker Vining and his professional staff, or check them out online at turnerandosborne.com. That's turnerandosborne.com. 
Looking for a physician? Choosing a healthcare provider for your family is one of the most important decisions you will make. Murray Regional Medical Group delivers primary care for individuals of all ages from newborns to adults and has an array of specialists ranging from endocrinologists to urologists. With locations in Murray, Lewis, Marshall, and Wayne counties, our experienced team can provide you with quality care close to home. For more information, visit murrayregionalmedicalgroup.com. Murray Regional Medical Group. Your health is our primary care. Have you ever wondered if your insurance needs can be personalized? This is Hunter Carey. Our team specializes in planning your insurance needs to get you the best possible solution. State Farm is the largest home and auto insurer in the country. I love bringing that to my hometown. Born and raised in Columbia, I'm grateful for our close community ties. We offer help with home, auto, and life insurance for everyone in our community. Our office is located at 909 South Garden Street, across from the fire station. We're also online at huntercarey.com. That's huntercary.com. Welcome back to Southern Middle Tennessee Today, and now our final story. Charlotte takes the top spot on the list of most popular names for baby girls born in Tennessee in 2023. Liam holds on to the number one spot as the most popular name chosen for baby boys in Tennessee for the second straight year. Charlotte, number two last year, replaces Olivia, which held the top spot for baby girl in 2020, 21, and 22. Evelyn has remained steady in the number seven position for the last five years. Lainey, Sadie, and Lillian are new additions to the top 25 names this year. William drops to number four after holding the number one position for baby boys in 2019 and 2021 and the number two position in 2020 and 2022. Henry has held the number seven position the last four years. Cooper is the new addition to the top 25 baby boy names this year. The top 10 names for girls, Charlotte, Olivia, Amelia, Emma, Ava, Evelyn, Harper, Isabella, Eleanor, and Elizabeth. For boys, Liam, Oliver, James, William, Noah, Elijah, Henry, John, Waylon, and Hudson. That's all for this edition of Southern Middle Tennessee Today on WKOM WKRM Radio. I'll be back tomorrow to update you with the latest news. I'm Tom Price. Thanks for listening. Be safe and have a great day.